And now, Canada Hoops, hosted by Maddie Ireland. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Canada Hoops. It's your boy, Maddie. Thank you for your continued support. Please continue to like and subscribe. Download us wherever you get your podcasts. I'm pleased to welcome back our good friend, Scott Witter. Scott joins us to break down the senior men's national team for Canada basketball, recent qualification for the FIBA World Cup, and other Canada basketball news and musings. Scott, thanks for returning to Canada. Maddie, always my pleasure. Um, love what you're what you're doing here, and um, the very honored uh, every time you ask me to to come back, man. It's my pleasure. Yeah, well, uh, we got lots to discuss, and uh, there's been lots of Twitter chatter where most of our uh, listeners and obviously your followers know you. So I think we had to uh, have an episode and and break it down. Um, you know, we were talking just before we started to record just about the recent uh, game for Canada versus Venezuela and the uh, result of the qualification. Um, let's kind of get into the pregame shenanigans that were going on, whether Venezuela was going to make it and show up in Edmonton. Um, just give us your thoughts, man. Yeah, I think we should probably lay it out there because I'm not too sure um, right, everybody right. knew what was going on. What really wasn't covered in the Venezuela, I mean the Canadian media. So a lot of this was being picked up um, on Venezuelan Twitter, if if you will. So it's right. kind of mining, uh, um, you know, through through Google Translate or the or the Translate app on on Twitter and figuring out what was going on, but. You know, game's Thursday, and and you know they're starting to see some rumblings on on Monday, Tuesday about um, you know Venezuela not having their visas and concerns whether they would they would make it on time. And and you start digging in, and um, you start seeing all these um, accusations uh, out there of that they you know they they submitted their paperwork two months ago, and the Canadians, the Canadians, whoever that might be, the Canadian Federation or the Canadian government is purposely holding these up and. It went so far as the Venezuelan Minister of Sport getting on Twitter and accusing um, the Canadian government of of complete um, shenanigans um, in the face of, of of international sport. So that was pretty pretty interesting and kind of kind of got me trying to figure out what was going on. And you're seeing kind of mixed um, news and mixed messages, and you weren't really seeing anything from the players or the, or the Venezuelan Federation kind of, um, you know, it was really the fans and the Venezuelan government that were getting all, all feisty about this. Um, but lo and behold, they didn't get, I think the visas until, man, I think it was like Tuesday afternoon with a game on Thursday. Right. So they weren't even really able to leave Venezuela. And it's, it's a, big journey from Venezuela. I, I looked at some flight plans and it was, if they had to fly commercial, it was like 22 hours of flying time or something. <laughs> um, you know, going to, going to, you know, Miami, then Houston, then up to Edmonton. But they, um, 
and they didn't even leave until uh, late afternoon Tuesday. Managed a, a, a charter flight and through flew through. Um, I think uh, it was it was through Mexico, then to Vancouver, and, and then up to Edmonton. They arrived like two hours before tip off um, to throw I, fuel on the fire. Yeah. They, they, <laughs> yeah, apparently there was no buses to pick them up, and they had to get in taxis and. Um, you know, you were just telling me that, you know, guys were, were, were coming out, you know, 30 minutes before tip off were you know, warming up and they had to push the, the push tip off, tip off back through 30 minutes. So it was kind of complete craziness. Um, you know, we were getting some, some inside information here or there coming that it was, our perspective was this was completely their fault, um, that they did not submit their paperwork and until, you know, um, basically when it was supposed to be ready. So they, they missed, you know, many, many deadlines. Um, it was a, it was, it was coming into the weekend that the paperwork showed up and there was like a Colombian national holiday on Monday and everything was closed down. So, uh, from what we heard, um, everybody on our end had to do like massive, you know, around the clock, 24 seven work to try to even get these visas on time. Um, yeah, at the same time, you have um, all the Venezuelan fans and government accusing accusing Canada of, of all these shenanigans. And to be very honest, you, you know, you never know about stuff like that. There, there's not great relations between the Venezuelan government and the Canadian government right now. There's there's a, a lot of history there, and, and there's some issues. So um, I would never put it past um, you know the Canadian government to you know do something there, but it didn't sound like that was the case. Um, it sounded more like the Venezuelan basketball federation submitted paperwork, um, you know, a long time ago and probably the, the Venezuelan ministry of sport never did anything with it and never got it on time. And once they figured out it was their fault, they started pointing fingers left and right and, uh, wow. tried to throw blame at, uh, um, what I think I said on Twitter, get the gringos. So it was the, it was the Canadian embassy's fault and all that sort of stuff. So, um, crazy story and and you kind of saw it unfold uh live and um you know uh, we, we saw the end results there right yeah it's um you know like you said it was unfolding a few days prior and um yeah it wasn't really picked up too much by canadian media i mean people that cover canada basketball on social media that you and i follow and and interact with uh you know, they were bringing it up, but, you know, it's, it's unfortunate. Um, and yeah, it, it didn't, didn't go well for Venezuela on and off the floor. Um, I do want to kind of give them props for making the effort and the journey. And, uh, you know, it's kind of, I think you mentioned it, uh, one day you're just like, you know, no team should sort of have to play in that circumstance or situation, but they made it. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it, you know, talking to people at the venue game day, it was like, hey, like, we just want to see a game and, and yeah. we want to, we want to play and we want to have somebody here to play. Um, yeah. and, and, you know, like, like, listen, Venezuela's not beating Canada uh, on any day in that situation on home soil in Edmonton, a really good Canada squad, which uh, we talked about and we'll talk about more. Um, yeah, but yeah, just kind of a bizarro situation. And yeah. anyone that I spoke with, uh, through Canada basketball was just kind of like, Hey, uh, we're doing what we can on our part. Um, yeah. this is not sort of any of our doing, but, 
they were trying to be, I guess, understanding and supportive of the situation. But yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, ultimately, the, I think, the, I think, the result was there, right? Yeah, I think the, the unfortunate thing for me about this is is you just saw just how intensely angry the Venezuelan fans were. Yeah, and and you have the Venezuelan government coming out and trying to say it's our fault. Canada didn't respond, and they probably shouldn't have. Um, I think the marching orders were, was not to inflame this and not say anything about it, and hopefully it kind of quietly goes away. Um, you know, I was telling you before, I think it's very insightful that the Venezuelan players didn't say a peep about this. Um, the Venezuelan Federation didn't really point fingers at Canada. They kind of laid out the facts that they hadn't received visas yet and whatnot. But the Venezuelan players are really vocal. And uh, if this was real, you know, suspected foul play on the Canadian end, they, they would certainly be saying stuff and, and, and they haven't. Um, but like, you know, props to them for, for, for getting through this. Um, I personally think that if they didn't go through the game, they just would have had to forfeit and they would have taken the, the 20 point loss. And, you know, if there was an investigation, I think, you know, uh, Canada would have been fine. The problem here is, is I think there's a, I don't know what the our boys are going to face when they go back to Venezuela in February. Yeah, yeah. Um, who knows? You know, we know we know the uh, concept of revenge is is rife in the Latin American culture, and um, you know the 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 decades that I've watched uh, uh, Canadian soccer flounder in, in Latin America um, with all sorts of crazy things going on. I'm I'm curious of how much abuse our boys will, will face when they head back there and, and they might get the same stuff and not have, um, you know, buses show up and, you know, people blaring music at their hotel, who knows what they're, what they're going to face. And, and I really, at this point, I really question, you know, what, what kind of, what type of team Canada sends back there in February? Agreed. They, yeah. You know, they're going to be, we'll, we'll get into this later, but they're, 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 they're qualified. They have virtually a first place locked up. I don't even know if they send a full squad. Um, back down there or just send kind of a developmental, something like we saw at the AmeriCup, right. kind of a, a developmental team team back in there. But, um, you know, on to the game, I guess, right? It was, what'd you get out of that game, Matty? I, I, I kind of know what, I, what I'm thinking and what I saw. Well, it was, uh, some people may know and, or not know, but yeah, I was in, in-house for the Venezuela game Thursday night, uh, taking it in trying to cover it a little bit, make connections. Uh, and, and, you know, I thought, and I was at the shoot around that morning, just talking to a few guys and seeing them uh, post-practice. Um, you know, the team looked loose. Uh, lots of, uh, you know, lots of confidence. Um, not worried about when, you know, Venezuela may show up. And, uh, you know, I think I think this group that was there, really latched on to the idea like winning we're in and they were the group that was going to get that ninth win and clinch the spot for the World Cup next summer. I think a lot of them really appreciated that and, and took it very seriously. And, you know, when you have guys like the Scrub Brothers and, and Cassius Robertson who have participated in all 10 games so far in the qualifiers, like for those guys, that meant a lot, um, and obviously a guy like Melvin as well. Um, you know, I think and, and post game, Cash was at the uh, in the media room with uh, Nate Bjorkren. They were the two people uh, Canada basketball put up in the mic, 
and Cash touched yeah. on that, and then it meant a lot for that group to be the team that that qualified. If you look back through all the qualifiers and the amount of players, um, you know, and that the hype of the qualifiers in Hamilton and Victoria, which were I was in Victoria, it was incredible. Obviously, everyone was loving Shay and Kelly. Um, but yeah, this group was excited to be the group that that officially clinched it. Um, yeah. I mean, Cash was outstanding in the game. He shot a hundred percent from the field. Like, like yeah. you know, they just they looked really locked in. Um, what I really liked uh, my first time seeing Kenny Cherie alive. Um, man, he really controls the floor and gets after it defensively. He is a dog, man. He is. He is out there to win. Um, I thought he was a difference maker. And it was a really nice team. Like, they just had a good blend of the vets and, and the three guys I mentioned that have played all uh, 10 qualifiers this far, and obviously uh, Melvin being a vet, but then bringing a, a Thomas Kennedy there, uh, even a Connor Morgan who, you know, is going to be a staple down the road. Um, and he had a nice game. You know, the energy was great in the venue. Um, lots of love for the program there and the players. Um, yeah, it was just a great night, man. And I just, you know, you and I and other followers that follow uh, you and I on social media and, and listen to the podcast, you know, we know that um, things are trending in the right direction. And this yeah. was just a matter of time of, of qualifying and just, you know, having this, program have this um amount of talent and buy-in to get this done you know not yeah. knowing who's going to be on the roster next summer um yeah. speaks volume so yeah to wrap it up yeah great night uh i loved it i had a great time um lots of support for the program for canada hoops we appreciate that and um yeah your thoughts as you uh tuned in from beautiful california yeah I, I I wasn't surprised with the results. It was I think it was kind of expected on home soil. And a well, first of all, thank you for pronouncing Kenny Sherry's name properly because I call I, I try I, I call him Kenny Sherry, and I I will continue to do that. Right. <laughs> Even though there's only one a, one R in there. Right. Um. They. So my biggest takeaway was okay. So we've watched this team for two full world cup cycles now, right. The Olympics in in there as well. And, um, you know, when we first started in, what was that? 2017, I think it was, um, 2017, 18, was it? Yeah, it was, it would have been 2017. And by the way, I want to point out that the scrubs might've played every single game in, in that cycle as well. Maybe not all of them, but pretty close. I think there were some injuries in there. Um, so those guys love them. You know, they're, they're always there. They're awesome. They, they know what they're doing. They could fill any role. They give you what I've seen games where, where um, Phil's kind of stepped up and scored 20 plus points. I've seen other games where he's kind of stepped back and facilitated and focused on defense. Um, same thing with Tommy. Tommy's such a good all around player. He can be, uh, he's such a jackknife. He can, he can score when, if that's what you need him to do he can defend at all times um those guys kind of really fill some 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 nice holes but what i got out of this was really what we didn't have back then it was just kind of disjointed you were throwing all these guys in together that have never really played 
together before, testing new guys, trying to figure if they didn't fit or not. This looked like a well-oiled machine. And when have we ever thought about that with Canada basketball, right? right. We had chemistry, cohesiveness, guys who, who, who they were plug and play. They knew what they were doing. These guys have been around the block. Phil, Tommy, Melvin, Owen Klassen, Connor Morgan, Aaron Best. Those guys were core guys on the last World Cup cycle. And, the, right. and most of them played in the in the World Cup as well. I think all those guys played in the World Cup. Um, Trayvon Haynes, you know, Cassius Robertson, Kenny, um, Khalif Young. Those guys are a little bit newer. They, they, they've really been involved in this cycle. Um, they're a little bit younger. I think some of them got uh, a piece here or two of, of the previous cycle, but really have been core guys for this cycle. So you have like almost all your team. Th- these guys know each other. They've been playing with each other and it really showed out there. Um, it was, it was really crisp. It, it was really cohesive. Um, everyone knew, knew their role. And that was kind of the biggest take. It's, it's like, that was our big disadvantage and it's no longer a disadvantage. It might even be an advantage for us at, at, at this particular point in time with these guys, with this winter core. Right. Hopefully that rubs off on the summer core yeah. because um, they have certainly far less time playing together. But this this winter core is beautiful. It's awesome. Um, yeah, so I was, I was pretty stoked about everything. Um, we, we, we mentioned kind of cash with a perfect game. Connor Morgan off the bench, 15 minutes, puts up 12 points on, on you know, five of six shooting, yeah. two, two, from, two, two of three from three. Um, Owen Klassen with a double-double, right? These guys are these guys are putting up kind of the numbers that they're doing on their pro teams, right? Um, that's the type of guy Owen Klassen is or Khalif Young. So they're they're just kind of filling their roles and 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 doing doing what we need out there. So I'm pretty happy with that. Um, and the Panama game was kind of more of the same. Um, we found out. Um, I didn't know this. I was I was watching a different broadcast, but I think it was on the Canadian broadcast that uh, Kenny Shuri was. Uh, only released from his club for the for the one game with Venezuela. So that's hats off to him, right? He had just joined that Turkish team. He was a late signing, probably only joined them ten, well, probably two weeks ago at this particular point, but maybe maybe ten days, two weeks before before this game. Got one game in with his with his Turkish club and then flew back um, all the way to Edmonton for, for that game and then and then then flew back. So he kind of stepped out, and 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 Trey kind of stepped in as a starting point guard, and um, didn't didn't miss a beat. Um, they were they were awesome from the start, and they expected against Panama, I guess. Um, but there, there's been times in the past, man. I remember some, you know, America Cup um, tournaments where pa- Panama has given us a run and stuff like that. You just don't expect that at this particular point. Um, this program's kind of dialed in with this uh, with this winter core. Yeah, and I remember post game after the the Venezuela game. You know, uh, obviously they're excited, and uh, you know they were going to enjoy it that night. Uh, had the head coach Nate Bjorkman spoke to that, but they were they're still focused on what's ahead. So they knew Panama was coming in. It wasn't going to be a letdown, and they knew what they had to do in terms of you know it was always things to work on and improve that chemistry and cohesion and. You know, I think, yeah. you know, regardless of who goes down to uh, South America in February, um, you know, they're, they're going to try to do the same thing. So it's uh, it was a great uh, few days in Edmonton. Um, they did a great job putting the games on. Everyone was excited to to have the team there. And, 
you know, hats off to everybody, man. Tremendous effort. Um, just winter core. I mean, you know, for, for purists like you and I, like, I love seeing these guys, uh, play for Canada. Um, you know, they're, they're pros, man. Like they get, they get paid to do this. Um, they're no slouches. I mean, um, they were very impressive. I thought, um, Owen Klassen was a pros pro in, uh, the Venezuela game. Um, you know, keep, Tom, in, keep in mind, Tommy was last, last year, Owen Klassen wasn't involved, right? right? Because Alexander was there and, and, you know, Khalif Young, the young guy was, was kind of stepping into that kind of backup center role. Um, and, and that, that's worth pointing out as well is, is this winter core team was, was minus Kyle Wilcher and Kyle Alexander from, from last um, winter, which is right. arguably the two best players. And then didn't miss a beat, right? Owen Klassen right. comes in, and Connor Morgan comes in, and and those guys are those guys are pros. You know, they're playing in good leagues. Connor Morgan's playing at at, at a Euro Cup level, right? Owen Klassen's been playing in the the German BBL for years. Stepped right in. Team didn't miss a beat. Yeah, they. Um, it's that depth. I mean, I think it's we're up to twenty six different players. I believe is the number that have played in the qualifiers. Um, I know and. Yeah. And we know how outstanding um, Kyle and Kyle were last year um, to not have those guys. Yeah. And to continue on and pull at the depth uh, hats off to, to Rowan Barrett for bringing guys in and recognizing what uh, yeah. uh, the coaches need on the chemistry level. Um, yeah. You know, I spoke to uh, Nate Bjork in the morning of the shoot around and uh, first of all, tremendous person that man is just a great person so if anyone ever gets the chance to talk to nate please do he's just yeah. like he just radiates positive energy wants to know who you are know your story and um you know i just said it was so i said to him it was it's amazing and tremendous like the raptors have had this relationship to let you and nate mitchell go and for this week to do this, to to have that chemistry and that cohesion on the coaching staff, running the same system that Nick's going to run next summer, um, you know, and he just, you know, he said, yeah, it's, it's great. I mean, what a, what a gift, you know? So, and uh, he was loving yeah. the opportunity to be the head coach. Um, so just a tremendous job from the program, yeah. um, everybody involved, the Raptors, the CEBL, um, great weekend in Edmonton and, and we're off to the world cup, my friend. And like, what a, yeah, you know, what a, an exciting time to have it done this early. Um, the world yeah. cup is very important. We'll get into that and why it's important. Um, you know, and the standings matter and the qualifier points. Um, yeah. okay. Maybe lead into that for us. That's kind of your area in terms of what, what that kind of looks like now, as far as uh, the World yeah. Cup next summer, we'll, we'll, we'll jump into that. But I'm, I'm going to hammer home just one more time, like yeah. just the the experience, the chemistry, the consistency of these guys. I know whenever we see these rosters, there's always somebody on Twitter, um, you know, for for the right reasons, is always like, "Where so and so? Where so and so?" There there are plenty of other guys out there that are good players playing in good leagues. Right. And we want to know when, why isn't Nick Stoskis playing with the program? Where's, where's Nate Darling? Where, where's, where's Dylan Annis? Where's Tyler Annis? You know, th- those guys are great players and would add tremendous value to this team, but they, you know, these guys have been playing for, for 
you know, six, seven years, they know Canada basketball, they know the system. Um, you start plugging in new guys that disrupts things and, and you don't know how they're going to play together and, and you don't know what they could bring to the table. It's a different story when you're talking about kind of top NBA guys, but there's, there's, these guys are very equivalent to having kind of low level NBA guys out there um, with what right. these guys bring to the table with FIBA knowledge and um, experience with this type of game and experience with the system and the coaching and the tactics and the strategy. Um, you got to embrace seeing these guys out there. Um, the, the more I see them, the, the happier I get. But anyways, moving on to <clears throat> we're in. This team is qualified for the 2023 World Cup. Um, and we'll talk about that in a, in a second. But there, we're first in the pool, 10-0 record, right. a plus. 345 point differential yeah which is crazy yeah uh so that's an average obviously easy math here 345 divided by 10 34.5 point average win margin um nice yeah (laughs) there's some there's some bahamas and panamas in there but there's also people that are right next to us in the rankings in in venezuela and um you know dominican republic and you know um number fourth ranked in the world, Argentina. Right. Um, you know, uh, some other stuff going on in the pool. Um, Dominican Republic kind of stepped up and beat Argentina and then Venezuela this window. So the, the next three teams are all at seven and three. Uh, the top three qualify, but the best fourth place team between the two pools will, will move into the World Cup as well. I think that's going to come from our pool. Um, the, I think there's a little bit more of a struggle over on the, on the other pool with some teams that are kind of six and three. And, um, so I, I think, I think we'll probably see Argentina, Venezuela, Dominican Republic and Canada. I'll, I'll get into the world cup. Um, Canada's basically has first place locked up. Um, there's two games remaining in Venezuela and in Argentina. Those are going to be tough ones. Um, no matter what team we send, um, those are pretty hostile environments. Um, you know, who knows what's going to happen in those games, what, what type of team we send down there. Um, what does it mean? doesn't matter much if we get first in the pool. Um, we get nothing for winning first in the pool, maybe some bragging rights. Um, we do get FIBA ranking points for wins over Venezuela and Argentina. So that matters. The individual games matter, but finishing first really doesn't. Um, it'd be nice to get wins in Venezuela and Argentina because there's, you know, little bonus kickers to points for winning uh, away games and stuff like that. Um, but we'll see. And we'll get into kind of the rankings and seeding and where, where, where we think we might be in a second. Um, so 2000, 2023 World Cup hosted, um, co-co-hosted between the Philippines, Japan, and Indonesia. Correct. Um, so Japan and Indonesia will get two preliminary round groups each and they will be combined into one second round group. Um, the Philippines will have four preliminary round groups. So these are the, the pools of four that will combine into two second round groups and then they'll get all the playoffs. So it's right. really kind of most hosted by the Philippines um, with some, you know, two pools of early rounds, both in Japan and Indonesia. We have no idea where Canada will end up. That might impact you and me there, Maddie, if we decide to go to this thing. Yeah. Uh, um, so a lot of, lot of, lot of different choices there. 
I'm down for um, Japan, but uh, I don't know about Indonesia, man. So it's Okinawa, though, which is not as right. not as interesting. But I've right. never been to Okinawa, but um, that's a uh, that's very removed from 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 the main islands of Japan. And then Phil- Indonesia is right in Jakarta, which is just a, a big, crazy, crazy city that I think yeah. I was at in the mid '90s, and be very interesting to see how much that's changed. Um, but Manila is fun. I, I have been there a couple times, and, and we, we'd enjoy it. Um, so World Cup is, is going to be August 25th through September 11th. That, right. That's important when we start talking about roster speculation and, and things like that. So it's late in the summer. Um, the World Cup seeding draw um, will be in March. I don't know the exact date, but it'll be in March 2023 in Manila. This is when they put everybody in all their different pools. Um, obviously, this is very important to us, to me and you, and I think all other hardcore Canadian fans, because 2019, we got completely screwed over and ended up in a group of death with Australia, Lithuania, and even Senegal could have been pretty good. They, they, right. they didn't end up being that good, but they were a good, they could have been a very good African team. That happened because we were number 23 ranked in the world, which was number seven in the Americas. We were actually in pot five. I'll explain what that means in a second. Um, But we got bumped down to pot six because there was too many FIBA America teams in pot five to balance the pools properly. Um, Basically, Canada cannot be in the same pool as anybody else in the FIBA Americas. Right. Um, same goes with Africa teams, Asia teams, and with Europe, there can only be two European teams in, in each pool. So they try to like spread the, the, the teams across the pool. Right. But I think there was like, you know, four FIBA America teams in, in pot five. So we had to get bumped down to pot six, made it even worse for us. Um, so the way that the way the seating system works, the, there's 32 teams in this tournament. There's going to be eight pots used for seating. Um, pot one is going to be seed one to four pot two is going to be seed five to eight and, and so on. Um, there'll be eight pools of four. Um, the, you play, you play amongst your pool, the top two move on to the second round. You combine pools with another round, play the teams you haven't played there. And then the top two overall record moves on to the quarterfinals. Um, uh, so exactly the same as, as the last world cup. Um, okay. it's not super easy. It's not super forgiving. It's not like 16 teams make the, make the, um, they make the playoffs. It's, it's really, you, you got to go through, you know, your first pool thing then make it out of that, then get combined in, and which we didn't last time around. Cause we had Australia and Lithuania and not, not the best team that we could field. We, we put out there. Right. Um, so we went into like the bottom 16 playoffs um and ended up uh i think we were 21st overall um not great um and then so where we are here we're currently 15th ranked in the world much better than uh 23rd in the last world cup um that could move up we still have rankings updating from this window and the window in february um i don't know if we'll 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 move up we're at like 559 points and ahead of us is Poland at 13. They don't really matter because they're out already. Um, 14 is Brazil. They're at 574 points. Normally catchable, but they just beat the United States. And the United States threw a crappy G League team in, in against Brazil, and Brazil beat them. 
Uh, so Brazil just beat the number one ranked team in the world and, you know, gets the points points off of that. I think they're going to be hard to catch. Um, we have, we have Turkey behind us at 16th and I don't think they're going to qualify. And at 17th, we have Venezuela at like five sixteen. So it's like, you know, the 50, you know, 40 something points, right? 43 points. Greatest. I think we'll hold on to that. Um, so I think we kind of, um, I'm just going to assume we, we stay at, at 15th ranked. I think that's a safe assumption might move one way or the other. Um, you have to kind of remove the teams that have um, ahead of us that aren't going to qualify. I mentioned Poland, Czech Republic is out They're They're not going to qualify. They're 12th ranked in the world. Um, I think Serbia, Greece are going to make it through Turkey. Who's just behind us. Looks like the, the odd man out, but that pool's not settled yet. We don't know for sure. Uh, so there's a chance Serbia or Greece, I think um, um, might get uh uh, knocked out here, but I don't know if that's uh, realistic or not. Nope, Greece is already qualified based on who they're um, who they play next. So perhaps Serbia. Who knows? Not likely. So assume we hold the fifteenth. Then the big question is, what do they do with the Philippines and Japan as as the host teams? We don't even know if Indonesia is going to make it or not yet. I, I don't think they will. Um, they had they had some special circumstances, some hurdles they had to get past. They had to win a certain amount of games or get get so far to to, to actually be in the tournament because they're 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 bad. But Philippines, Japan, decent, solid Asian teams often make it to the World Cup. Um, how are they going to get the rank? And why I asked that is in the last World Cup they gave China the number one seed overall, who was the host. Um, that was the first time FIBA ever did that. Um, I question whether it was sold. Right. Um, uh, that might be a harsh term, but um, so there's some back scratching or you know money exchanging hands in some way. They were the first ever get the first seat, first host team to ever get the first seat overall. Right. That seems suspicious. So are they going to do that with Philippines and Japan or both? I don't know. Um, maybe not. So again, that kind of affects where 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 we'll be seated. So I think we're kind of a um, I think we're easily a pot four team, which means kind of seed 13 to 16. That would match us into a pool with um, the one to four seeded teams. And um, that mean in the top four right now, I don't know if this is going to hold, uh, are the United States and Argentina. And we cannot, um, looking at the points, eh, that might hold. Um we can't be in their pools because you can't have two FIBA America teams in the same pool. So the other two are Spain and Australia. So yeah. there's a good yeah. chance to end up in a pool with either Spain or Australia. Right. Um, there's still, you know, maybe we talk about this again when before the, the, the seeding draw, but this is just kind of all speculation at this, at this particular point, if we move up to pot three, which is seeds nine to 12, um, what would have to happen there is for Japan and, um, and by the way, we might want Japan and or the Philippines to get that um, number one or two seed because that might put us in their pool, right? Right. Because um, we would probably match up with the one to four uh, seeds. So if we end up in the pot three, which is seeds nine to 12, we end up matched against kind of the five to eight ranked teams. And right now that's kind of France, Serbia, Slovenia, Lithuania, 
that can change. Um, but those are all, you know, decent teams. I don't know if you consider them better or worse than Spain or Australia. I guess it depends who shows up for, especially Slovenia. Um, and, but even, even Serbia as well. But that's kind of what we're looking at. The huge thing is, is we'll probably be, or we will be kind of a top two seeded team in, in, in the pool where that pool of death was because we were the third seeded team in the pool and ended up with Australia, I think was the number one seed in our pool. And Lithuania was the new, number two seed in our pool. So we got kind of screwed out, screwed with that. That won't happen again, but a pool of death could happen, but you have to look below us to figure out who would cause that pool to be a pool of death. Right. Um, and in my mind, you know, it's, it's much less deathly. It's, it's countries like Latvia who's playing really well and are winning their, their, um, pool in, in the European qualification. I think they're, I think they're, I don't even, I think they're like nine and one or something like that with, with good wins over, over, um, a lot of good teams. Um, so that would not be a great third ranked team or like Finland. Right. So assuming we get our NBA players, should we really be scared of somebody like Finland or, um, or Latvia? Maybe it depends in a game, right? A uh, single game, you never know, but that that's what would cause a pool of death, right? You get like Australia and Latvia or something like that, or you get Spain and Finland in your, in your pool. Right. Uh, but that's kind of, that's kind of what we're looking at. And uh, th- like I said, there's still a ways to go and a, a little bit of stuff to shake out. Um, but we'll be in a much better position than we were, um, in the 2019, um, uh, world cup. So that's the good news. Any, any thoughts or questions about all that? No, I appreciate you breaking it down. I did hit the FIBA site a little bit to kind of get a sense of some of it, but, um, you know, my biggest concern would be, you know, being the, uh, the supporter for the program and, and, and whatnot is like we've worked really hard uh, to be ten and zero, and then just based on some some rankings, and to kind of get and then to you know get lumped into a, a tough group would be. Well, that, that's what happened last time, Maddie. Like we yeah. we won our qualification last time. We were the top ranked team coming out of our combined pool right. for the two thousand nineteen World Cup. It didn't matter. It's it's where where are you in the rankings? especially relative to your other FIBA Americas. So we've moved up pretty far. We've moved up from 23 to 15. Um, I don't know if that's going to get any higher. Uh, probably not. Um, but in terms of seeding, we'll be in that kind of maybe, you know, as high as, as, as 11 or 12, but probably in that kind of 13, 14, 15 range. Right. Well, my one thought with some of that too is we've gone now almost four years from 2019. And if you look at who could potentially play for Canada and that relationship between FIBA, the NBA, Canada basketball, they would want a team with Shea, Jamal, RJ, you know, some of that core playing as long as they can, much like you know, the United States, these guys are big draws now, superstars. So it benefits, you know, the tournament, FIBA, that relationship to have these guys playing as long as possible. I'm not saying they're going to rig pools, but 
given what we've done here in the qualifiers as a program, uh, really elevated it. You know, it would benefit everybody involved to have, you know, us in a good group where they could advance far in the tournament if you're looking at the bureaucratic yeah. side. So I, and, 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 I, I and listen, and, and when it comes to the groups and you mentioned like possible, uh, pool partners, you know, if you go with like a Spain or a Finland or a Latvia, I'm of the mindset, okay, based on the core and potential roster, I don't give a fuck who's in that pool. Like, yeah. we got a really, you know, we got a really good shot of of doing really well, right? And, you know, we saw it even against Argentina on home soil in Victoria. I mean, Look at it's it's and I, I love tweeting it. It's the Shea way all day, man. This, this kid is a monster. Yeah. So he's yeah. clearly our best player. He's leading the way and he's bought in. So you know, um, yeah. March March will be interesting. I can't wait to see the groups. Um, yeah, uh, I'm sure well, we we'll, got this. We'll be looking forward to that. But yeah, like you know, given what's potentially there, you know, give us whoever. I don't care. You know. Um, yeah. And it's because yeah. it's time. Well, to, it's time to put up too, right? It's time to say, yeah, yeah we're yeah. here, man. We're we're a basketball yeah. nation, right? We're gonna we're gonna do this. So, yeah, go ahead, man. Yeah, no, I was gonna say, like, you're you're absolutely right, and and I don't want to sugarcoat this for anybody. We're kind of like I said, fifteenth ranked in the world. We might be twelve or thirteen or fourteen seated as they combine the pools, and really only eight teams really make the playoffs, the quarterfinals. You got to push through probably one of those top 18s. Maybe you get lucky and the Philippines is seated one overall and you end up in their pool or something like that. Right. But you're going to have to push aside one of the top eight teams to get to the quarterfinals. And, and that's USA, Spain, Australia, Argentina, France, Serbia, Slovenia, Lithuania, right? Even after them, it's Greece, Italy, Germany. Um, th- those and talented teams that, that are bringing more and more NBA guys, uh, Paulo Banchero, you know, showing up for Italy or something like that. Right. Allegedly, you don't know yeah. what Greece, is, right. Allegedly, yeah. but you know, all these teams, you don't know what you're going to get at this point. Um, but Canada's going to have to push aside one of those teams, probably just to get to the quarterfinals. So it is put up or shut up time. Um, yeah. and then they can do it. I really think after what we've seen, like we were talking about this in the summer, like I really see, you know, all in on, on Shea, right? Like, I think he is our key to any metal chances. Um, and I'll be very, very dejected if, if he's not playing this summer. I think he is. I think he wants it. I think he's free to do it. I think he's got the contract buttoned up. Hopefully he's healthy, knock on wood. But I think he's the he's kind of the key to how, how, how far this team can go. I'm not saying they couldn't go far without him, but like I, I really think he's the, he's the key guy now. I have some other guys in mind that, around that as well. Right. Um, but speaking of that, is it worth, you know, let, let's get into some roster speculation, I guess. Because yeah, let's do it. That's the good stuff. That's what we want. Everything's you know, everything's up in the air, but let's let's kind of talk about some of the key pieces. And um, it's never clear. Um, we never know what's going on in the summer. Um, I think we're we're slowly learning our lessons. I think you know a lot of what caused problems the last World Cup was the time expectations that Canada basketball asked. Asked they wanted to lock these guys up for like six months and have like you know three four you know two weeks of camp and three weeks of exhibition games traveling all over the place. I think 
they they need to tighten that up and i think they know that they're i think they're going to so hopefully they don't push push anybody out with 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 the the ask but this is still a pretty significant ask right it's a two-week tournament they're gonna need at least i would say two weeks minimum to to prep for this right in terms right. of camp and some mission games it's got to be more than that if you think this team's actually going to come together. I'd be disappointed with two if they just started getting together two weeks before this tournament kicked off. I'd be pretty disappointed with that. Um, so hopefully it's at least three weeks. They get like a one week camp in, and then you know a couple of exhibition games over over. You got to travel all the way out there and all that sort of stuff as well. But that's a big commitment for these guys, especially that late in the summer. So you know we we have some things that have sorted themselves out this past summer. Um, I, I do feel. Shea seems locked in. Um, he, he's Agreed. talking about it. Not saying guys didn't talk about it in the past. The guys in the last World Cup said they're in, they're going to play, and no matter what, and all that sort of stuff. And then then it was nothing. Um, but he seems like he's talking about it. He seems interested. Um, you know, he was here this past summer. I'm, I'm always excited, you know, but the guys who most recently showed up, those are the ones I'm most excited about. Um, the guys who were kind of floating around and showed up to camp that didn't play. That's good. Um, there were some guys who didn't even show up to camp. That's that's bad. Um, you know, and then there's the guys who didn't even commit to the summer core, which is even worse in terms of my mind of like, who do I expect to, to be there? So a couple things that got sorted out this summer. Uh, Lou Dort, RJ Barrett signed up long-term contracts. I really think those guys want to play. Um, so I, I feel good about them being there this summer, um, health permitting, right? Hopefully those guys are healthy. Um, those are two huge ads, um, on, on the wing. Um, uh, both guys I'd, I'd, I'd love to see there. There's also, you know, behind that, there's still a lot of unknowns. I think to me, and I've said this a lot, I think Kelly Lenick is, is, is really the key guy here. He's in, in terms of the bigs, As I said, Shay, but I think, Kelly's like a top three most important player to me because he is by far our most important big. Um, what he can do out there, the way he fits into FIBA, the way he opens the floor for our athletic penetrating guards is extremely key here. Um, having a front court of kind of inside players is is just a recipe, recipe for disaster in FIBA because it just clogs up the key. Um, our, our guys like, like Shay or Jamal or, or whoever else have, have nowhere to drive into. It's just crowded as, 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 as hack in there. So Kelly pulls people outside. Um, he's kind of a triple threat in terms of shooting, driving, passing. He unlocks the offense in, in so many ways. Um, he is, obviously was traded. He's doing well with Utah, but like he keeps seeing him mentioned as a trade piece. He is has a partial guarantee for next year on a contract. I think only five million. Uh, I don't know. I think his contract's like twelve million a year. So he's kind of not really locked into his contract. He could have a, an interesting summer. Could be traded. Could not get his uh, his 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 guarantee ex- or his, his option exercised. Um, so there's a little bit of question there. But I think he's also at the age where he's made made enough money where he's like, I want to do this. And, and he's going to kind of push past any contract issues to play for Canada, or at least I'm hoping, right? Um, Dwight Powell, another key guy up front, um, unrestricted free agent. 
Uh, I think we mentioned earlier that this tournament doesn't start until late August. Um, a lot of times those guys get their contracts sorted out well before then. Uh, but that's a, that's a question mark. Um, uh, you know, who, who knows if he remains unsigned. Um, I think he's such a key kind of chemistry community guy to Dallas that they probably pick him up, even if it's at a reduced rate. Right. Uh, but I think he's a guy that kind of gets, gets things sorted out. Um, you know, other questions out there, Ken Birch health, right. He's kind of been banged up all last year. seems banged up this year. Um, you know, he, he, he does have a contract for next year, so he won't be a free agent. Jamal Murray. I don't know. What are your thoughts there? I think like, he's just always a question with his health. I, I just don't know about him. Uh, it's like a coin toss. I'd love to see him there. Um, arguably Canada's second best player, right? Um, I don't know. What are your thoughts on Jamal? Well, I mean, what's Denver going to want him to do, right? So, you know, how mm-hmm. do, how deep do they go in the playoffs? You know, what's the wear and tear of the season after coming back from injury? Yeah, Jamal, man, he'll be a key guy. And, you know, if you run Shea at the point, that just, I mean, Jamal doesn't have to worry about any ball handling. And he just, yeah. you know, he can shoot it and penetrate. Um, those two guys in the backcourt together would be lethal. So who yeah. knows? I mean, I, I look at some of the names we've talked about and if they've had contract situations locked up, I mean, Lou and Shea, okay, OKC's not making the playoffs, so, you know, they'll have lots of rest. Um, but Jamal will be a, a key guy and he'll be a big question mark because he could potentially be playing pretty deep into the spring. Um, yeah. Yeah, you know, big uh, question mark for me. Yeah, I mean, but he was at camp um, this summer. One of the camps. One of the camps, um, not participating, but there, soaking it in, uh, you know, just being part of the team, um, which is more than some other guys can say. Yeah. So, but he was not at the second camp, though, right? So that that that's even a concern as well. Yeah, and that could have just been maybe even – you know, I don't know this for sure, but maybe even Canada Basketball just said, hey, just don't worry about it. You did the first one. If he had some other things going on, um, maybe they figured the camp for him in terms of that role wouldn't be much different from uh, the previous month. So they just said, don't worry, right? So, um, yeah, who I'm, knows? Not, I, I'm not a huge, I know. Yeah, it's, it's, I'm not a huge fan. It's tough to say. I hear you. I hear you. Yeah. And I like, you know, I was told when I was in Victoria, there was guys that um, we would like to see on the roster, but um, one guy in particular had asked to come halfway through camp uh, leading up to Victoria. Um, that didn't work for the program, so he wasn't there. So um, I, I think, okay. like, you know, the roster is so far away. I mean... Yeah. You know, health, assuming health is not an right. issue, uh, we still yeah. have a really good team from the NBA perspective and yeah. the core. Yeah, well, I think it's a fact of life, though, Matty. Like, health is going to be an issue every summer yeah. Yeah. there's somebody hurt or hanged yeah. up. We don't know who it's going to be right now, uh, but every summer there's somebody banged up. There was last summer. There was some the summer before. There, There's always always multiple guys hurt in the summer. It's just It's just the nature of how 
rigorous the NBA season is. Um, people got to accept that. Um, we just don't, we don't know who it's going to be right now. Hopefully Jamal's there healthy, very important guy. Um, I don't know. Obviously there's other guys still are questionable to, to Nikhil's kind of, I don't know what's going on with him in Utah. He's, he's not playing a lot of minutes. His rookie extension wasn't picked up. He's going to be a UFA UFA. Um, and he might not be a guy who picks up a contract very, very quickly. Right. So you don't right. know what, and maybe he plays anyways. Um, you know, you, you, you sometimes see that with kind of the, the on, on the edge guys. I don't know, but that could be an easily, easily a guy who, who can't play Jose Brissett, same sort of thing. Um, his option wasn't picked up. He's an unrestricted free agent. Um, you know, he's not getting a ton of minutes, but he's starting to kind of, you know, get some more minutes, a little more talk around him, you know, being ready. I think that guy, I think O'Shea kind of breaks in at some point this season. Right. Uh, but you have no idea what his summer is going to look like. Um, Dylan Brooks, you know, doesn't seem, A, he doesn't seem overly committed. He might be the guy you were mentioning earlier. Um, you know, didn't show up for first camp. Um, you know, he, he he's not going to have a contract next summer. Um, we don't know what's going on there. He's a very um, enigmatic uh, guy, I think, as well. Uh, so you just kind of don't know what's what's rolling rolling through his head, and if he if he wants to play or if he's going to play or if there's other stuff going on. Um, you know, and then there's. You know, there's what about the non core guys? Have you, right. you know, we people always talk about it. Is Andrew Wiggins going to be there? Is 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 Boucher going to be there? What about uh Ben Mathur? And it, like people are are talking about that, but you know, Canada basketball came out and said, Hey, th- this is our core, and the only way guys who are not part of our core are getting in is if there's there's spots that open up, right? It's a what 14 man core when you include like. Um, Melvin Edgem and Kevin Pangos and uh, Zach. Right. Um, you know, so there has to be enough guys not there for A, Wiggins to be invited and and then B, want to play. Um, Boucher is kind of enigmatic with Canada basketball as well, too. You know, he, he's a Raptor. His, his, his coach is the national team coach and he hasn't showed up. The last few years, right? Right. Um, if you asked me, you and me, this time last year, if we ever thought Trey Lyles was going to, not last year, two years ago, um, if Trey Lyles was ever going to play, we would have probably said no, and then he shows up for the Olympic qualifier, right? Right. You know, who, who knows what like that? Who's, who could be a good, you know, rotation piece? Yeah, I haven't seen um, much on him in terms of, you know, participation anymore. It's hard to say. I was shocked when he showed up with the qualifier team. Yeah. And you know, I, was, I was glad he was there. Um, but yeah, so I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what your hopes are. Um, I still think guys like Corey Joseph and Kevin Pangos, health commit, health, you know, permitting are, are going to be there. Um, hopefully Nikhil plays and, and Dwight and Kelly Lenick And maybe we get, we probably get RJ Barrett and Lou Dort, hopefully. Maybe, maybe one or two of Dylan Brooks, Jamal Murray, Ken Birch. Right. You know, maybe we get surprised with an Andrew Wiggins or, um, or one of the youngsters. I don't know. 
Um, you got lots of other pieces out there to fill around these guys. You know, Kyle Wilcher, Cassius Robertson, Kyle Alexander, Zach, um, Edgem. You know, so there's, there's a lot of like, you know, fill in the whole guys out there that I think are, are interested in, in, in committed. So, um, yeah, that's a, that's generally, I think we, I think it's, it's, it's really who knows at this particular point is, you know, I think we talked about this in the summer. We weren't super excited about the turnout for, from the core team. I don't know what we had, you know, five, five NBA guys, maybe six or seven from a core of 14 in the summer windows. Okay. But not really a, hey, this is our core, and these guys are going to be there. And, you know, you kind of get half the guys to show up. It's kind of like, eh, okay. Yeah, you there know, was, there was five of them in, in uh, five in Victoria because Corey didn't play in yeah. Hamilton. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're at, you know, they're at camp and, and yeah. things like that. Um, so that's all good. So, but, but we, I think you and I said it's, this is going to be the, push is going to come to shove on, on, on this world cup team. Are these guys really committed? If they are, then we're going to, we're going to get most of the core there. Right. Right. Um, but really, I, I just don't know, to be honest. Um, good news is like, you have the, you have the pieces are out there. Now, can you pull together a team that can gel, um, you know, know the roles can play together the right way. Um, and have the right kind of role players and, and, and pieces around them. They're all out there. Um, yeah. Well, it's, uh, you know, it's a huge, um, you know, talented group of names, right? Like, um, I think I've said this and we've talked about this. I mean, this core term is going to be fluid and I think guys will slide in and out of it based on, you know, present situations at the time. Um, yeah. You know, if if Wiggs says, "Hey, I'd love to play," um, you know, there's to me because of health, possibly of other players, and you know, unknown contracts. I mean, there's probably a spot for Wiggs. Um, you know, he's having a great season. He's been Golden State's second best player. Um, so yeah, I mean. You know, we talked about winter core guys and who would slide into a roster full of NBA guys. Um, you know, Kyle Wilcher, I'm a big fan of. He was monster like last year's qualifiers, uh, sorry, during the windows. And, you know, Kyle Alexander, to me, in terms of game and role, I mean, that's, that's Ken Birch 2.0 right there. Um, but he's more athletic. Um I mean, Kyle is so. You know, he 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 would be a good ad. It, it'll be an interesting debate here for a while, and we just got to push through the NBA seasons and see who's healthy and you know whose season in the NBA finishes up when. And um, but now, just kind of seeing, you know, I've seen things. I've seen some posts on social media where some of the NBA guys were pretty fired up about you know, the team qualify and going 10 and 0 and, you know, they had some part of that over the course of it and they want to keep it going. They recognize what the winter core has done. And so they're tied to that brotherhood. So, yeah, I mean, it, it starts to me and, and 
end with Shea. He seems really bought in, like seeing him in Victoria and just his presence and what he does on the floor for the rest of the guys. Um, you know, he'll be a key and him yeah. Jamal, like we start there. I got to feel Kelly's going to play. Um, I know this matters to him and he knows he's probably on his way out in terms of his, his NBA career, um, which is kind of silly because he's still super productive and, and valuable to go. He's only, he's only like 30, isn't he? I think he's 32. He's, got some- he's 32 right around there. But um, I think he's been in the league like 10 30. years already. So, and he's still really valuable. Look at the role he's playing on Utah. So, you know, I yeah. feel like Kelly will be there. That matters to him. And uh, we go from from there, really. It's uh, it's a lot of unknown, like I, but I think the guys are. Yeah. Excited. I think for, for me, it's it's like you got to have this has to be a core. Like it has to be the same. Like we have. If the World Cup is is any focus for them and this is and, and it might not be because like the North American mindset is just to focus on the Olympics. Right. Right. So, the, so the world cup could just be like, Oh, Hey, this is just a learning experience for them. I hope not. Cause I, I like the world cup better. It's a bigger tournament. It's, it's, it's longer, you know, all the best teams in the world are there. 32 teams. There's like 12 at the Olympics. You're, you're usually missing a lot of teams in the Olympics short tournament. You know, I like the world cup and, you know, for them to do well at the world cup, they need most of the guys that were there this past summer. Right. If, if this swaps over and Shay's not there, but Jamal is and, you know, Corey and Nikhil are, are not there, but, you know, Lou Dort is and Dylan Brooks shows up, but there's no Kelly Olenek, but Ken Birch is there that I don't think that's going to work out that well. Right. They, they need these guys playing together and understanding a system. So you really need Kelly and Dwight and and Shay and 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 Corey and and Kevin Pangos and you know obviously RJ's been around it enough and and Lou Dort's been around it enough that those guys should be able to slot in but th- this needs to be you know a real core for I think them to 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 do well they started they need to start building the chemistry that you see in the winter core yeah where 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 guys you know if, the whole purpose of this was not just to pull a bunch of random guys together, you know, have a camp for a week, play three exhibition games, and then, and then go into a world cup against teams that have been together for, for five, 10 years and, and know each other inside out. We, we, we should be very, very clear at this point. Should have been clear about this a long, long time ago, but that's not going to work. You're going to lose to countries like the Czech Republic. Um, so, you know, I, I do want to see some consistency from last year. And hopefully that team is, is, is the core within the core. And you're supplementing it with guys like RJ and Lou Dort and, 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 and whoever else, right? Um, that's my wish. Um, and and hopefully, hopefully we end up doing pretty well here. Because it's a, it's a big, fun tournament. Yeah. And, like, and hopefully we do. Yeah, it's. It's you know, and it matters too, right? Like we don't want to have to rely on a a last chance uh, qualifying tournament for the Olympics the following summer. Um, so if we do well in the World Cup, that sets us up for you know less games you have to worry about uh, to make it to Paris, and that's better for 
our NBA guys who have a lot of commitments, right? So, um, yeah. And we really, we really should be the number one, two, the, the, the number two team in FIBA Americas. Yeah. We just throttled Argentina's best team. They're different. They're not the team that came, luckily came second in the, in the last World Cup. Right. You know, Scola was such an, an anchor for that team. They're a team in transition. We threw kind of our, our A minus team at them and just throttled them this summer. Um, you know, we, we should be able to get that second FIBA America team that qualifies directly into the, into the Olympics. Um, and I think anything else is going to be disappointing. And then the way the United States puts their teams together, they should not be super, super scary. Right. I, I don't see, you know, Steph Curry and Kevin Durant, LeBron James going to this world cup. Right. I, you know, I don't even know if I see guys like, um, like, like, like Mitchell or Booker or, or Tatum, right. This might be their like tier three of players, still good players, but guys who have never played FIBA, never played together, um, which is, you know, the, the vulnerability of the United States. Um, I think they're going to be very vulnerable in this world cup and, um, you know, could be a team that, you know, loses in the quarterfinals again, like they did the last time around. Well, and it would be a roster of guys that Shea goes and gets 30 on every night in the league. You know what I mean? Right. Like, and, and Jamal's exactly. going to do his thing against two. So I agree. That's the way I look at it too. I think, um, for them, they worry more about the Olympics. And and we've, as a federation, as a program, Canada Basketball has been focusing so much on qualifying for the World Cup. We've done that, obviously. And now uh, the focus is to put the best roster together, uh, given availability, which we hope is very high, and then doing really well there, too. So, um, you know, it's exciting. and. Uh, you know, we'll have to kind of see how everyone's seasons play out from here on out, uh, both in the NBA and in Europe, because there's going to be key guys uh, probably having to, you know, make a an impact for us in the World Cup that aren't playing in the league. But uh, I wanted to ask you, you got any more Canada basketball thoughts? I just want to ask you a little bit about uh, a couple of NBA seasons we're seeing that the, the first month in. Um, no, I think I'm good there. Um, Shay, monster start, uh, MVP candidate. Um, you've got a great, uh, picture going on Twitter about, uh, how the Canada basketball, uh, senior men's national team has made it an MVP, uh, player. But if you can just, uh, touch on the start Shay has had to the year so far. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, obviously a little tongue in cheek, but, uh, I think I think kind of we saw that in 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 the summer windows. He he's just so much better than everybody else on the right. floor. Um, felt like he could do anything, anything he wanted. Um, and we we saw that, you know, in certainly long glimpses the last couple seasons, right? And it was all about kind of consistency and and putting it together regularly. And we're always worried that. Um, the Thunder just don't have any anything around him and and, and whatnot. But he, he's just he's he's so smooth and and has he's so unguardable. He's so long, so many different moves. Um, and and I think 
he's under under the radar to a lot lot of other people that follow the NBA. Um, I don't think he ever really was for for us. Um, but I think he's kind of been thrust onto the scene this year as a as a. Hopefully, people are seeing him as a as a potential um, MVP candidate. Um, he's going to have to kind of hold this for for most of the season, which seems ridiculously hard to do. Right. Um, I know we were calling for him as a all-star last year, but just, you know, you're on the worst team in the league that, that that's just not going to necessarily happen. But if he can keep this team around 500, he should easily be an all-star. Um, oh, it's tough to, because he has, to be. he has to be, well, I don't know. It's just, it's the NBA, right? It's brand is, is, is more important than ability when it comes to things like the all-star game. It's the guys who have the big names are the ones who, um, you know, get, those types of accolades and breaking through onto the all-star team. Um, you just get some older legacy guys who really shouldn't be there all the time. Um, and, and, and it's tough for these young guys to break through on small market teams that aren't very good. Right. So I question, like, I, I think if it, if it was kind of clear and even and fair, he's like, no doubt an all-star, but that's, I don't think that's how the all-star team really works. So, you know, who, who knows? Uh, I think it depends on, on if he surprisingly has them at 500, then I think he gets on. But if they're floating around, um, you know, a, a, a 30, 35% win team, then I, I don't even, I don't even know about that. Um, cause we got to like call a spade a spade. Andrew Wiggins had a little bit of help to get on the all-star team last year. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. Voted voted on through a kind of a social media campaign. Yeah, to a degree, he deserved it. But um, it, it, you know, he's in a big market and had uh, had that those kind of advantages that that kind of pu- pushed him pushed him through. Where 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 Shea doesn't have that, but he's been awesome. Love him. Uh, I kind of said he's our he's our Luca. Yeah, he's um, he looks incredible and. Um, you know, every night is just like his stat lines are just like this is, yeah, and they're coming in some losses, but uh, like his stats are just like you look at that and like this is this is unreal. I I wanted to ask you about uh, a couple youngsters who have really come on in this first month, um, put some people on notice. Uh, Shaden Sharp, who you know he was a bit of a an unknown. We weren't sure what this kid was going to look like, and obviously uh, uh, Benedict Matherin, who's uh, you know everything that uh, he was sort of built to be. Um, more, I think. I am more, and uh, you know maybe potential guys for the senior men's national team down the road. Matherin has said uh, he's into it. I know Sharp has played at the junior level. Uh, some thoughts on these guys and their uh, their hot start to their season and their career. Has Sharp played at the junior level? I can't remember. I think he played U19. I I he did not he, play U19. I'm, I'm curious if he played like 16s or 17. Okay, like, I think he did. Actually, I do think he did at that the, at the 16 or 17 level. Okay. They did not play U19s, that's for sure. That was... Um, so... Yeah, Shaden Sharp's been, I, I think, I think uh, beyond expectations. I think, I think a lot of people who kind of knew him just, you know, he's definitely showing 
we, we knew him to be like an Uber athlete. Right. right. Um, and, and I think he's showing even beyond that, like some of the, some of the highlight clips you see of the kid goes up in the air and he stays up in the air and he stays up in the air yeah. and doesn't come down. Yeah. You're just, he's got this, he's got this, 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 this float, these hops that you extremely rare from, um, NBA players, right? The, you know, there might be some, obviously the high watermarks are, are, are the Michael Jordans and the Vince Carters of the world. Maybe the low mark watermarks are guys like Joe green or things like that, who are just like Uber athletes that maybe didn't do as much as they could have with their, with their talents, but he's showing that level of elite, elite athleticism. But then he's also showing, you know, uh, I think a skill set beyond, I think what anybody expected, you know, he's, he's averaging, I think, nine points a game. Um, he's getting about 20 minutes a game. I don't, I don't think anybody was, was going to expect that he's, he's, he's shooting 52% from the field, 44% from three. I don't think anybody would have expected that. Yeah. Um, so the efficiency and the shooting and the shot, shot selection as I think is what people thought were going to struggle. And those are looking like strong points right now for him. Um, he's had some big games. Um, I, I think he, you know, Sky's the limit for him. I, I don't know what we have here, uh, Maddie. Like th- this, this again could be. For all we know, this could be the best Canadian ever because he has the athletic talent to do it. Right. It, it's going to be fun to, to watch him kind of unfold over, over the next few years. Um, I don't know what's going to happen, but the the, ta- the talent is clearly there. Um, yeah. What do you What are your thoughts on him? Yeah, I, I didn't expect this, um, and I didn't know what. I wasn't sure what Portland would kind of want to do with him out of the gate, and um, they got off to a good start as a team. Um, you know, I think which surprised some people too. But uh, yeah, he's he's taken advantage of the minutes he's gotten, and I think uh, he's kind of found a way to just be productive. Uh, knows where to pick his spots. Uh, he's a much better shooter so far than I expected, uh, like you said. And obviously, uh, the athleticism we knew about, but now you're seeing some of these plays in-game, and you're just like, you know, where he grew up um, in London, just watching, you know, Vince Carter with the Raptors. You just see it, and you're like, this kid is, um, athletically, he's just really different. And, uh, you know, next level could probably challenge Wiggs for, our best athlete for sure. Um, if he is, I don't know, he's probably be a better athlete than Wiggs, who knows? Um, yeah, he's been really That's nice, and I'm happy for the kid because there was a lot of, you know, speculation like, hey, he hasn't played a, a ton of high-level games, really didn't play Kentucky and all that uh, chatter. But, um, you know, I think he's in a good situation yeah. in, a, in a good team, uh, some good veterans there. Um, yeah, he, he's, he's, he's next level. He's going to be really, really good. Yeah. I, I got in a few arguments with people on Twitter about that is, is like, they're like, wow, he hasn't, he hasn't played a game in, in, in over a year and he's never played against high level competition. Like the guy's playing every single day, mm-hmm. you know, we, just because we don't see him in a uniform for, for Kentucky. We, we don't know if he's, you know, he spent the whole summer, um, playing Enrico runs, play, you know, playing against NBA players, right. And holding, holding his own. Right. 
Um, yeah, there's the intensity of official games and, and full speed and all that sort of stuff. But the guys, the guy had been playing and working out and working in specifics of his game for every day for the last year. Right. So I don't know. Um, I think there was a lot of bashing from the kind of the Kentucky fan base as, as well, because he, he didn't end up playing for them. He could have helped them pretty drastically. And, um, but I'm, I'm, I'm really Kentucky fans anyway. Yeah. He, he took a lot of bashing and, and, and whatnot. I'm glad he's kind of, kind of, uh, fought through that. And he's, he's really showing himself through right now. Right. Uh, but, uh, and Benedict, what do you like about him? I just, you know, I, I think it's, 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 you know, it's wonderful to see rookies perform like this, right? He's, you know, you have to say he's in the top two for rookie of the year contention right now. Right. Um, he's putting up 20 points a game, uh, off the bench. Yeah. Like four rebounds, two and a half assists, you know, half a steal. Um, you know, he's had some big games. Um, he's, he's shooting well. His efficiency is, is pretty much 46 from the field, 45 from three, 83 at the line. I just, these are not really rookie numbers. I think this is what gets everyone so excited. Right. Um, you know, he's, he's playing big minutes. Yeah, I know he's coming off the bench, but he's still playing almost 30 minutes a game, um, about 28 per game. So he's kind of putting up pretty similar numbers to what he did at, at uh, um, Arizona last year, a little bit better, actually. So I just think it's, it's, it's pretty impressive that it's translated so quickly and easily. Sometimes rookies get a little bit of a break out of the gates because there's no book on them. There's no, um, there's no real scouting on them, um, and that kind of picks up as as the season season moves on, um, or the wear and tear of the season kind of kind of uh, wears on him. So we'll we'll kind of see how he holds up, but he's been massively impressive, um, and and again, a lot of it it's it's, it's like the efficiency, right? Um, to to see rookies kind of kind of play out at this level. Um, it's pretty impressive. I, I didn't expect this. I thought he was going to be good, but he's arguably arguably been great. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, he's um, like he had an NBA body coming in. Um, he's uber competitive. You know, he thinks he's very, very good. And obviously, you know, you got to have that confidence to succeed. Um, but he's just trying to put the, everybody on notice like I'm here. Um, you know, he's gotten that opportunity on a, you know, kind of a weak Indiana team. Uh, you know, they should be probably better than they are, but, um, yeah, he's, you know, when we see these guys that are Canadian who, uh, look really good and are having success, we're like, you know, guys like yourself and, and me and others, we're looking at, okay, well, you know, can we see you in the red and white down the road? So you start looking at, you know, their availability and, and possible participation. But, uh, you know, it just speaks to, uh, man, just the talent we're starting to have and, and guys like this starting to emerge and uh, really showing the, the rest of the world because there's always a lot of eyes on the NBA that, you know, our players are really, really nice. So um, a Montreal guy is great for the province of Quebec. And, uh, yeah, he's – He's super good, man, and uh, a better shooter than, much like uh, Shaden, than 
I kind of thought I, I'd watch him a little bit at Arizona, um, but that wasn't how they really used him there. But he's he's a better shooter than I anticipated so far. Uh, yeah. So sky's the limit for him as well, and uh, you know he's got a good shot to be rookie of the year, like you mentioned. I mean, Paolo looks. Yeah. You know, Banchero is very good. I mean, there was a, he was a number one pick for a reason, but uh, yeah, you know. Uh, who knows? It's a long year. Uh, Benedict can make a a major case for that as well. Yeah, and then and then it's it's also worth noting, like you said, he he's kind of publicly expressed his his intent and desire to play for Team Canada. I don't I don't know where he shows up. Um, you know, he obviously he's not part of the core. Um, I think young players are much much less likely to play for Team Canada because they're a they're working on their game their summers are important their their clubs don't want to don't don't want to release them they want they want to kind of control their development in the summer and their agents are kind of always looking like for that second contract i really think it's when that second contract comes in that these guys you know start turning their attention towards team canada but that's not to say we haven't gotten the young players in the past um certainly from from, from time to time so um you know, he could be an addition as early as this summer and, and might deserve to be there at the very least, um, you know, a, 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 a more of a bench guy to kind of um, live and learn from, from some of the vets. Um, I think he wants to do it and I'd love to see him there. I just, I don't understand this whole, you know, are you in or you're out if you're part of the core or not part of the core? Do you guys really have to be missing for somebody like him to show up? Um, you know, would we would we not pull in a, a, a Wiggins or a Mathurin or, or a Boucher if we really needed them? So we'll see. Um, I would be much, much less um, uh, expecting of, of um, Shaden Sharp to show up uh, this summer. Right. Um, but Mathurin would, would, could be the guy. And then the other guy that we haven't talked about um, is, is Andrew Nebhardt, who is a veteran of the senior men's national team so he's having a nice rookie season for a guy who was picked in the in the second round and um is getting kind of consistent minutes looking like a guy who's been in the league for years um you know not not putting up near the stats um that Mathurin is but still seven points two rebounds three and a half assists um getting the odd start here and there uh, due to some injuries in, in in Indiana, having some pretty pretty decent games, put up a you know nice fifteen point game, you know three from four from three the other the other day, um, and he's a guy who you know could be our kind of point guard of the future as as maybe Corey ages out or right. Pangos gets a little bit older, um, so he's a guy I'd be looking for as well because he's played almost always through the youth ranks. I think he played every opportunity through the youth ranks and um, was on the roster. Was he on the final roster for the 2019 World Cup? I think he was. I know he was playing all the exhibition games. I can't remember if he made the final roster. If, I can't if, remember. I don't think he went to uh, Australia, but he was doing the exhibition games. I think he got hurt right at the end. Um, like the last uh, exhibition game in Australia, I think he might have got hurt, but I can't remember. But he was there with the team. Um, don't think it really matters. Yeah, but he's, definitely not. He's got ties to uh, the senior men's team for a while now, so um, 
and he's had a pro game. He's had a pro game for a long time. Um, he was starting to show that at Gonzaga, and he's very good in the pick and roll. Uh, yeah, and he just continues that lineage of uh, very good guards uh, out of Canada yep. and hopefully for Canada basketball. Yeah, so, you know, the rookie's looking really nice this year and, you know, gives us a lot of uh, high hopes for the future for, for Canada basketball for that standpoint. Uh, anything, All right. Anything you want to hit after this? Uh, or are you good? I don't think so, man. I think we've been going at it for an hour and a half. Hopefully we haven't bored uh, all the listeners out there and this was worthwhile and interesting. No, man. Appreciate you joining us. And, uh, you know, we'll always uh, love to have you on. And, uh, you know, me, we'll hit you up. And uh, if you uh, need to find Scott's stuff on Twitter, he's at Witter, SR, uh, probably our top guy for the Canada basketball information. Give him a follow. Appreciate you listening. And that wraps up another episode of Canada Hoops. Thanks to Scott Witter for pulling up. Appreciate you listening to us. Download us wherever you get your podcast, and we will see you on the next episode. Thank you for listening to Canada Hoops.